0: Love Talk Radio Quiet, please. <laughs> Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. First, I want to thank all of my listeners and readers for tuning in, for spreading the word, uh, for your emails. And I want to remind you that you can subscribe right there at the official website, which is rexsikes.com. There's an RSS feed uh, on the welcome page of rexsikes.com. That's Rex Movie Beat. Uh, You can subscribe, and you'll always be updated to the changes at the website. Of course, if you've been listening for a while, you already know all that. And you know that you can go to the interviews page in the archives and you can listen to 70-some uh, incredible interviews that we did last year, and there are more incredible interviews coming up this year. So be sure to go back if you haven't already and listen to those archived interviews. Movie Beat's really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I do connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. And um, keep in mind that you can always... Uh, leave comments at the live site. You can uh, make us a friend. You can make us a favorite. Uh, the podcasts are now available at the iTunes store, so you can go there. And when you do, if you listen to a program and you listen to it as an iPod, uh, iPod, iPodcast, please uh, rate it, review it. Uh, that helps spread the word. And I really appreciate it when you spread the word. When you retweet about the interviews, that helps promote my guests and, and the efforts of filmmakers everywhere. Uh, when you share it on Facebook or MySpace or on blogs, uh through emails uh, or wherever and however you can, I really do appreciate it. You do have my permission to repost links uh, to the interviews um, in their entirety. So, uh, and and use good good judgment where, wherever you post them. Uh, you can become a, a fan or you can join the group Rexykes Movie Beat at Facebook, and uh, and that's a great way to stay in touch too. I, I do intend to have some uh, Rexykes Movie Beat uh... events uh... locally as well as elsewhere Um uh, so you know it's a great way for us to stay in touch and to update uh... everyone as to what's happening Um if you're at um, reccyx.com listening to an archive show uh... be sure to uh, go back and listen to all the rest before i bring on my guests um uh... i want to say again thanks to all of my guests and to you the listeners uh... for supporting movie beat in whatever way you have uh, I do do appreciate it, and it's great to hear from you. If you have questions of my guests, you can email them through the contact page there at the at the Movie Beat site. There's a you know uh, a page that tells you how to do that guest questions. Hey, there's new testimonials. There's what people are saying, guests are saying about uh, Rexxie's like Movie Beat. So be sure to check those out. Uh, in the um, hot and fun. Um, blog there are uh, there's always uh, events or happenings or premieres that happen nationwide or around the world and the hot news is uh, a local blog uh, for the people in my area and i just want to mention that upcoming is a uh, Firestarter film festival friday Uh, January 15th from 6 to 10 p.m. at Live Artist Studios. That's at 228 South 1st Street in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You definitely want to be there. This is uh, uh, Firestarter number 7. And so go there. By the way, go to Firestarter.com. I bought an ad on Firestarter.com. I want you to look at it. I want you to check it out. And I want you to tell me what you think. Not only that, but if you haven't been to Firestarter.com yet, go there and become a member. It's a great resource for you as a filmmaker Uh, And you can get an ad for yourself, so check it out. The Field Film Festival is at UW-Waukesha, Saturday, February 6th. This is a festival that that I started with uh, Sean and Phil of Firestarter Films at UW-Waukesha. We're excited about that. It's a a student-run festival. It's really not a a Waukesha event or a campus event. It's an independent film festival being held at the campus. So uh, be sure to check out the Hot News blog uh, at rocksykes.com. The Beloit International Film Fest comes up February 18th to the 21st in Beloit, Wisconsin. Check all the information for that. You're going to want to go there uh, if you are indeed in the area for sure. Uh, upcoming, um, Peter Tolan is going to come back. He was here uh, the last interview. He's coming back uh, very shortly, so you're going to want to tune in to Part 2. Douglas Day Stewart is coming back. He's the screenwriter, officer, and a gentleman boy in a plastic bubble. Uh, He will be back. John Reese then is next with uh, Think Outside the Box Office, a book on hybrid uh, strategies for distribution. Reed Martin of The Real Truth. We're doing a series with Reed. He's coming back a number of times. Um, NBC Heroes actor David H. Lawrence will be a guest then soon. Dallas Jenkins is a director. He did uh, Christy Swanson and Kevin Sorbo's recent movie, What If?, Nick Mancuso also will be returning a couple more times, if not more than that, but uh, a couple more times in the next month he's going to be with us. He's off in uh, Italy and Germany uh, uh, shooting some movies. Brian Krauss from Charmed will be with us. Jackie Birch is returning, the casting director. Ted Hope, the independent producer, has produced over 60 independent films. He will be joining us, and there's just so many more people um, that are listed. Go to the interviews page, go to the archives, and look at all of the people and all of the guests who've been here already and who are coming back and all those who have yet to be here and know that with all the names that are there, there are more to come that I haven't even begun to list yet. I'm booking into uh, May and June right now, so uh, we've got a full slate, so you're going to want to be sure to, to listen up. And um, I'm thrilled that today my guest is returning as well. It is Mr. Peter Marshall. And Peter, if you will recall, if if you listened in, had uh, joined us and, and, and we created a first AD series, a first assistant director series. Um, but Peter's also a director. He's been in the business for over 35 years. He's He's uh, done everything from a first assistant director and TV series creative consultant. He's been uh, a, a PA, a dolly grip, an electrician, assistant cameraman. He knows his stuff, and he's also directed over 30 episodes of television dramas, um, such as John Woo's Once, A Thief, Wise Guy, Jump Street, uh, Neon Rider, The Black Stallion, Scene of the Crime, Big Wolf on Campus, Largo Winch, number of series. Um, plus, he's done his own movies. his He's uh, written, directed, or produced over 50 hours of documentary and educational programs, and his documentaries and dramas have won or been nominated uh, for 14 film awards. So he's here today, and we're going to talk about what it means to be a director. This is our director series with Peter D. Marshall. And, Peter, are you there today? I sure am. I sure am. Happy Happy New New Year. Happy New Year to you, and... And uh, our listeners are glad that you're back. Um, uh, how are things going for you? I mean, how's the New Year been?
1: Uh, New Year's been fine. I'm, I'm sitting in Vancouver looking out at the mountains, where in a couple of weeks the Olympics are going to be all taking place. And there's no right. there's snow in the mountains, but not in Vancouver right now. So I can I can deal with that.
0: Well, we have plenty of snow where I'm at, <laughs> and uh, I am not a big fan of snow unless it's in the mountains. So. There you go. Uh, but I've got it in my yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Peter, let's um, let's just kick off the movie, and I mean, kick off the um, the series with. um, I'm going to ask: Is is there an actual definition for for you that you consider of making a movie?
1: Well, I think there. for For me, I did sit down once and say, "Well, is there a definition?" I put it on my blog and in my newsletter. I asked people, "Well, is there a definition of making a movie?" And the one that I like the best for me. Um, And, of course, it's very individual. But uh, for me, the one I like the best is making a movie or a documentary is the art of visually telling a compelling story with believable characters. So basically, it's the art of visually telling a compelling story with believable characters. And I think that puts it all into perspective. You have the visual because it's a visual medium, compelling story, story that's unique, that's interesting, and believable characters. Do you, do you believe the characters? And I think that's that's a pretty good definition that I like.
0: It works for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I do like it. I do like it. Now let me ask you then, um, what is a film director?
1: Well, uh, film director, uh, I guess if you look at uh, definitions, um, is sort of responsible for for the creative aspect of the film. Um, Everything from improving camera angles, lighting, uh, the concept of lighting, set design, costumes, props, uh, the key uh, like hiring of crew members. Um, they sort of uh, developed a vision for the film. They decide how the whole thing is going to look in, in relationship with the DP and the production designer, for example. Um, the tone um, that is to have... Um, they sort of sit and say, well, what's the audience going to get out of this? They interpret the script visually. Um, they coordinate uh, camera angles, actors' moves, uh, all of this kind of thing. In short, they are the storyteller, visual storyteller. And all the elements work together to support that story, and the director's kind of at the helm of that. And uh, this is it's a collaborative art form, and uh, it's a process where... Everything sort of gets written down and translated in the, on the screen, uh, or sorry, on film or video, and then put into the editing room. So, to sum up, I think it's really the vision, the the overall feel of the story. If that's the, the director is the creative force behind that, like the visual style, if you will. And also very important is uh, is the the director is responsible for getting performances from the actors to hone their performances to guide them to to have you know interpret what they're doing with the lines say what the subtext is so that's that's really important part of their job uh, i think it's probably one of the number one jobs to me it's always the three things that we talked about this it's story performance and everything else so i think you've got to look at the story first the script the story is it a good story is it compelling uh then it's about performances. Uh, and then, after that it 's all the technical stuff, and I think that 's how I divide everything that I do into those three categories
0: that 's awesome now, obviously, a director can be involved from the inception. It could be that person 's own idea, or very early on they could they could become attached to a project that was somebody else 's idea. Um, they could be producing it themselves or they could be hired on but i mean typically they're they 're involved in pre production and production and and in post production and yet Depending on who the director is, or their or their name value, or their contract, they may or may not have a final cut of the of the picture.
1: Exactly. The Very few um, directors have final cut. Final cut is the ultimate expression of uh, the creativity of a, of a director, and studios and networks will have final cut because it's it's how they can control um, what they feel the picture should be, and television. You know, there's there, there's a division between feature films and television, and like I said, and, and very few directors have a final cut at all.
0: With um, um, w- 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 in in that concept, just for a second, you um, now people see the director's cut of a film. How how is it possible that uh, you know the studio changed uh, the rights, and and yet they they what allow the director to have the rights to, for a a final cut?
1: I think that, you know, whoever's putting the money up, there's a lot of money involved, uh, whether it's – it doesn't matter what it is, and it's all relative. And so whoever's putting the money up wants to control as much as possible the product. Now, there's also a given that you hire the appropriate people to, to do your, your project, so you're going to let them uh, go with it. And, you, and there is a – there are safeguards as you walk all the way through through the script breakdown – casting process meetings and producers being on set and literally watching what's happening so there are all these stages where you can uh, producers can step in and, and uh, our studios and networks and either change people or let them go with it but uh, you know that's a creative process and I think that with all the money involved uh, it's it, it'll never It'll, if you're being hired by someone to, to do a show, they're going to have the final say, even if it could be just small little cuts at the end. That's the only way they can keep control.
0: Yeah, there are lots of different ways to make a movie. I mean, I could go and direct my own movie. Somebody could hire me to direct a movie. Uh, you know, an independent uh, group of guys or gals, you know, like right here in the state of Wisconsin or or anywhere. Or a studio could do that. I mean, there are a number of different mm-hmm. types of how much experience does a director actually need?
1: Well, directors um, come from all sp- sorts of background and areas, and, and as, as a fact, I've been on sets for a very long time, and and I always like to use this quote because it always sort of picks everybody up. And I go, did you know that the director is the only department head on a movie that doesn't need any experience? <laughs> and. Uh, I sort of get people looking at me because, and I'm not joking, I've seen this many, many times, is, you know, the director? I've seen directors come in with virtually no experience and, and start directing a, a movie or a TV show. And they have a support system around them, the director of photography, camera operator, first AD, script supervisor, editor, uh, right? You know, they will put the movie together, basically, for them. And they end up getting the credit, and um this show isn't long enough for me to go into some of the horror stories that I've been involved with with, but it's just uh it is true and uh but so it's not the right thing to do, but they can virtually you know not walk off the street, but with the support a group around them, uh they put the movie together because we're professionals but the background directors come from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, they can come from a there's a creative background. They could be writers, um, artists, photographers, uh, or from production. Uh, they can be, um, you know, ads, dops, editors, uh, that kind of thing. That's where I came from. I, I I did documentaries. I wrote and produced and directed documentaries for years, and then came into the first ad side and doing television series. And it was on Wise Guy in the 80s that I got my first directing gig. I was on the show for a year and a half as an AD, and then I ended up getting a show to direct. I ended up directing a couple of shows. And that's very common, what happens on TV series, is that actors, um, ADs, DPs, editors, producers uh, will get shots of directing. Sometimes it's the little carrot that they hold. Can you do another season for us? Okay, but I'm going to, uh, you know, I want to direct a couple. So you, you gain your experience that way um there's very few rules that say where does a director come from you know what's their background and and what you know what may work for one person certainly may not work for another it's all about where do you live your circumstances who do you know um do you have money uh, <laughs> all of this so it's a pretty big uh um, opening um and everybody feels that well i have an idea and i have a story and i want to make a movie and especially today with just digital cameras and home computers and YouTube is that virtually anybody in the world uh, can make a small film right now and get it up for people uh, to look at. Um, Whether it's quality or the story works or whatever is is always open to interpretation. But it's just uh, like not the old days when you and I started. Uh, mm-hmm. is very, di- it was very difficult to do any of that kind of thing, and now it's just wide open territory for anybody to start um, shooting and, and making films. So it's, uh, it's, I love that that concept of the time we're living in now. It's just awesome.
0: It it is thrilling. I mean, it has opened it up for uh, you know creativity to to surge. I think there's an interesting thing that happens at the same time is, is, is I mean, not that Hollywood has ever had a monopoly on, on quality, but you know, there is <laughs> an, there's an interesting thing that happens. Very
1: well it. put, Rex. Very well put.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, as our technology advances, you know, we, we especially those people, I can't even think of, what, what's, the, what's the term for the technical people who have to have the latest thing? Um,
1: oh, well, nerds are
0: well, something like that, but i, yeah. I, can't, think mm-hmm. the, I can't think of the i can 't think of the de- designation for him but but i what I noticed was that you know here we were having ultra screens you know we went we had it's like we had huge theaters and then we went to multiplexes and then we went back to ultra screens so that you can have this big experience at an imax and you've got three d but then at the same time, we were watching little tiny crappy YouTube videos with mm-hmm. poor quality and and little tiny ipod videos it's that you know were all blurry, so that as the technology advances, you know we you know, the, the technology isn't always caught up yet, but people would sit for hours and watch YouTube videos with poor quality.
1: Exactly. I mean, people you know, are making and watching movies now on phones,
0: on yeah, cell phones. Yeah. There's
1: festivals that are, uh, that are just about that. People, uh, you know, you have an iPhone or whatever it is, you can watch full-length feature films on your iPhone. Now, I'm going to pause here and go, okay, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia on your iPhone, well, okay, fine. but uh, it's like but you can. I mean the the concept yeah. is that you can do that now, and you can get yeah, people sitting on the bus if uh, uh, I'm, I'm going in right you know uh, to teach at the Vancouver Film school for for uh, January, February, and I just take the bus and I go back and forth, and it's just very interesting to take the bus downtown and you see people on the bus and they're texting or whatever but people are they're watching headsets and they're watching movies on their phones or all on their other kind of little equipment and uh, or whatever they're watching so it's it prevails prevails
0: I, I do i do really think you know we're at the precipice of of something very unique happening in terms of entertainment and and the way in which we all um end up you know as end users as well as creators it, the methods and means of getting um product out there and, and, and whether it's for a phone or whether it's for a, an ultra you know um, an ultra screen Um, I, you know my hope as a director was always that I could marry into it that you know I can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <God. There> <laughs> marry the right woman and, and I'd be connected and that hasn't yeah. happened um, or it hasn't happened yet but I guess I'm not looking too hard the uh, the, the um, uh, but I wanted to ask you, so what are some of the steps for someone to become a director? I mean, it, yes, anybody can pick up a camera and call themselves a director, but if, if we uh, think in terms of making a um, uh, – you know, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about nowadays because when you and I started, if we talked about becoming a director, it was a different thing uh, all those years ago. I mean, it, it definitely had, you know, a commercial aspect of it in Hollywood or or in, in different aspects of – it, not Hollywood locally, but, I mean, Hollywood universally around the world. Um we're now right, and anybody can pick up a camera. But what, you know, what? what uh, oh, I want to say this though too. You know, Peter um, did with us the first assistant director series. I mentioned that before. He's got wonderful products on on uh, first on being becoming a first dd and breaking down a script and um, scheduling the movie, as well as a, a director series uh, that you need to check out at his at his website, which is actioncutprint.com, and um and I want to talk to you about that because you know you, you did make a transition you know from first AD to to director um can we talk a little bit about Yeah, how to I th- I think it
1: is it, interesting everybody's story is different and and uh you know I came out of film school uh, wanting to be a director of photography and and into the camera side because uh I said I didn't have anything to say and so why should I be a writer or a director and I, so I was a got into the camera department for a few years and then, and then ra- gradually got into documentaries and then uh, started writing, producing, and directing uh, documentaries and industrial films And for about 10 years. And then uh, sat down one day and said, well, I want to be a drama director, a film or TV director, but you just don't walk into a studio or a network or a production company and say, I want to direct. You have to have some kind of background. And I thought, well, going to the AD department uh, seemed to me to be the way to go, and this was early '80s in in Canada, and uh, and uh, there was a lot of opportunity with American shows starting to come up here, and I got involved as a second AD and then a first AD, and and I just went from there, and I was working on early series, uh, Stingray, and Jump Street, and Wise Guy, and all that, and that's how I ended up directing, and uh, and I and then doing feature films as a first AD, I've done a lot of features. And you, it's a, like a osmosis. You pick everything up, and I think it's a great way to go. The first AD are, uh, is like at the center of all of the creative and the, and the production aspects of it. So that's sort of I sat down literally at a kitchen table and, and planned that out, and and to say I want to be an AD for a few years, and then and then get into and learn about production, and that's really important. And I, the reasons for that are you know, if you get involved in television series are a fabulous place for that to happen. And as you, um, commercials uh, are a great place to get production experience and then TV series and then get a shot at doing um, like insert shots or second unit shots. Uh, this happens a lot. Um, this is how um, second ADs bump up to first ADs. First ADs get to go off and maybe do some second unit directing because they're, they know the show, they know what's happening and it's a logical transition so what happens is that uh, you then get in a lot of these kind of things and you get your directing experience and it may not be with actors per se uh, or it could be stunt doubles and then gradually you work your way in get comfortable with the, the creative element and then you uh, you know and then if you're in the right place at the right time which a lot of this is um, Called the 50% rule, right? Um, mm-hmm. You may get a shot at, at uh, directing an episode, and, and it's a great place uh, to do it. And I always highly recommend if you are interested in directing, and you and you're an AD, for example, to, this, the television series route is a great way to go. Uh, as you get into the larger shows and the features, it's about making contacts, uh, studios instead of networks, uh, producers and actors. Um, You get to work with some uh, incredibly talented people, and hopefully some of that will rub off. Um, But it's basically um, in your background is to get production experience, to have worked with uh, stunts and effects and visual effects as an AD and watch and observe directors um, as they uh, work with actors, watch actors come in and what's, what's their methods of working. And if you watch and observe this, it, it becomes part of your psyche as well, um, so that as you read books or watch movies or talk to people, uh, do short films on your own, you've you've already got this information sort of mulling around in your head, and and, and because you you they, you are there, you're as an ad a dp an editor you're you're in a creative environment, and so that's why a lot of these areas um, where the a lot of these positions where people just want to get in say I want to try my hand at directing so um... it's a great place to start and, uh, and and you know everybody it comes from you know everybody's different and everybody's situation is different but um, if you're a crew member even if you're uh... you know a dollar grip i mean you're there right at the middle of what's going on around you and if you and you you know i've i've been on sets and i have painters giving me scripts you know and there's some pretty good scripts you know where does it come from and it's who you know it's about contacts This is very important
0: uh, that, that, that's excellent, and and um, I want to follow up on that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take our break now, and then and then that'll give us leeway to to continue without interruption. Uh, you're listening to Rexykes Movie Beat. The official website is r e x s i k e s dot com. And keep in mind that I appreciate your comments and your support about the blogs and articles and conversations. I really appreciate it when you tweet and retweet and spread these interviews far and wide to your friends and, and let your industry contacts and, and people know about uh, what we're doing here with the conversations with filmmakers. Please feel free to email me through the website. Questions to the guests, you can do so in the chat room. I neglected to mention that the chat room is open, but it is. Uh, if you hear about something coming up before I do, uh, anywhere in the world, you know, just contact me right away, and I'll try and investigate it and get it up in a timely fashion if I'm able to. So now back to our conversation with uh, with Peter Marshall. Um, and,
1: um, Rex, you ju- I just wanted to go back one thing that you said. I just made a note of it. Just, um, was You talked about end users and creators, and mm-hmm. it's almost we're one in the same now.
0: That's a good point, yes. With,
1: like we're talking about all the technology that's available, and it's not just the the creator's are the end users, the end users, the creators, and it's just it's just interesting. I mean, uh, just to think about that—that uh, that it what the, it is enabling uh, everyone to be able to do right now is to tell the little stories, little one-minute, five-minute, ten-minute stories, and with next to no cost, and have people around the world watch them. Um, there's a whole monetizing thing which we're not going to get into, <laughs> you know, like how do you make right, right. money, how do you get paid, but at least there's an opportunity for that to happen, and I think that's the first thing that's very important. Uh,
0: i am glad you brought that back up i mean again i mean i do think we're at this exciting time i mean I think we'll see a lot of crap and we'll see a lot of great things you know all intermingled that that is normal but uh yeah one time you know a handful of people provided you know the product for everyone else to watch or to listen to or to read or you know to uh, partake of in some way and now. Just about everyone can offer that, and whether whether they rise to the top and, and become known, and whether they're able to to get it out to millions of people is another question. But but anyone now can can yeah. can manufacture something. They well, it gives us
1: more options.
0: Yeah, as yeah, well. It does.
1: And you know, all the models, music industry model, film industry, newspapers, these models of distribution and making money are are broken, and and uh, everybody's scrambling to try to figure out the new world. You know of entertainment here and we're all part of it and if you've got a small right. camera and like i said a computer and anybody can upload it to youtube you you can be and you've got a blog and you're on twitter you can point people to it and people can watch your story it's truly amazing it's absolutely. unbelievable unbelievable
0: yeah and that and that I actually i'm going to segue into a little plug that john reese who's the author of think i said the box office um, you know, has the book, and he'll be a guest coming up. Uh, yes,
1: yeah, so I have Google. his book. It's awesome. I recommend everybody get his book about it's, hybrid. It really takes
0: a different uh, tack. Yeah, it is, it is, uh, it's is it's a worth the read, and and uh, listeners are going to want to tune in for him. Um, I wanted to 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 uh, also I wanted to say this in in relationship to what you're saying, and, and I mean you're an expert in your in your field in your business, and and the reason why I have. People like yourself on the show is because you 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 bring a side to the business that that many other people are especially people starting out don't know or don't understand yet. Um, the other day we had Peter Tolan on, who's the series creator of Rescue Me, and 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 like listening to you, listening to Peter Tolan, um, when he described what was necessary for creating his series. He, I got the sense. I mean, you you could just tell that this is a guy who's done it a lot. He's known his business. He knows the ingredients. Sometimes, you know, a series is hit or miss, but he's he's been involved for many, many years. And when he talked about story development and character development, things like I went, wow, uh, he knows his stuff, you know. And and you know your stuff. And for a director, for anyone coming in, I think it's important for them to get to know their business. And one of the things that you said, you know, about being a first AD or, or being on TV. I mean, working a TV shoot or a series is to get to know the business, to get to know the stuff and to get to know, uh, you know, all of the different components and the working parts and how they work together, mm-hmm. you know, when creating a TV series or a movie. And one of the ways that you talk about this, I know. Oh, first off, it, it, and I know you said this before, and I just want to point it out, you know, there's a difference in the way, you know, you shoot a TV show and it's faster than you typically do a movie. And so, would you say that it's a good thing to probably start in television because it's it's harder? I mean, it's faster, it's quicker, and then I mean, just in the pace alone. Because if you go from movies to television, you're in maybe for a little bit more of a shock.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. It is a lot like that. Um, where it is my belief, it's a little easier to um, sort of go from a, the frenetic pace of a television series. Or a low-budget indie film, I mean, where you've only got a, few, a small amount of days and you have to do a lot of work. It's kind of the same thing. To going into larger feature films or even commercials where there's a, you're spending a lot more time doing things. If you're already used to the thinking fast and having a fast pace, it's a little easier, in my experience, on an average, to go into, you know, to do a, a larger movie uh, than it is that you've spent uh, a lot of time doing larger movies that so you've had thirty, forty days to do something. All of a sudden, you've got to do um, eight, ten pages a day on a TV series in seven days, and the whole process—you're thinking, you—you have to think in a different way. It's—I'm doing thirty-five setups today, and I normally do ten or fifteen on a movie. It's uh, people fall apart uh, if you have to if you switch to the other way. So it is television uh, series are a fabulous place to learn any of these skills. Um, independent movies uh, are another place, and, and this is where everybody is 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 setting up to to do this. And, and if you can get a shot to work on series, I just highly recommend it because it's it's a well-oiled machine. TV series, and uh, and as a director, you come in kind of as a guest, like a guest star, sort of. But the machine is already in place, and you just have to fit within that cog, and learn the routines that they're doing, and bring your own creative ability, and so. It's an excellent place to start. I believe it truly.
0: And and we talked about the the, the notion of being a first AD or 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 really any uh, position on a crew. But but one of the benefits of becoming an, an AD is that you get to learn about pre-production and and scheduling and breakdowns and, and what's required in terms of moving a production uh, from start to finish. So uh, and again, I just want to say that your program on, on script breakdowns and scheduling is an excellent program uh... for people to to investigate especially if they're interested in learning how uh... to progress
1: well and it's not just for assistant directors or or production managers it is for producers and directors because it is the schedule understanding why things are put together in what order and why scenes are shot in this order is so important because as a director you come in and you you're you're breaking your script down in your way Uh, we'll be talking about that later in this series but um which is different than an AD breaks his down because you're looking at it from a creative element um story character development etc but you need to understand that as soon as the AD walks in with the schedule or the one liner then your mind flips over into this one liner and you have to look at it and go you know if we could move this scene over here or this scene you have to be able to understand how the whole thing works to help out too so it is very important to understand all of that so <clears throat> and there's also the there's also like any uh, any of the um, the creative disciplines. There's an art and there's a craft. Art is something that uh, you can't really teach. It's inside of you, the creative element, if you will. <clears throat> but the craft is what we want to learn and so by learning the craft of filmmaking by being a crew member AD etc uh, watching and observing you're getting the craft you're learning uh, how long it takes to put a steady cam together you're learning you know the dolly tracks you're learning the technical concepts of putting a stunt or a visual effect together this is the craft and then you incorporate that into your artistic side uh, it is it just it's like driving a car you know, at some point, I think after you've been driving for a long time, your car—you just get in and your car kind of drives to wherever you're going. You don't even think about it anymore. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but it <laughs> becomes sort of automatic. And I think that's what we—you try to do in, in this art form as well.
0: Awesome, I appreciate that. Um, I'm, I've, I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask about the types of directors and 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 what it takes to be successful as a director in this business. That I want to get to. Uh, i'm gonna just pause and segue and and actually we'll probably be jumping you know way ahead into things that you would discuss otherwise but there's some questions in the chat room that i I wanted to uh give you a chance to answer <clears throat> and um and there's actually uh, about three of them here uh, similar in in scope and that is uh, the question was how involved um uh, has peter found himself in affecting scripts when directing you know changing things on the set or or during the table read
1: My background <clears throat> from a director is basically in the the television area, and you're—it's uh, the producer's medium. And as a director, you come in, and you—they uh, hire you to uh, to effectively put the show together for them. They have the final cut. Uh, you know, after you've done your your cut, they can do whatever they want with it. Uh, but you come in, and if you see different uh, ways of structuring the scenes, uh, dialogue, for example. Uh, you don't have you, you do go you go to casting, but the producers will have final say in all of that. It's a difficult uh, it's a difficult in that sense, and that you know that the machine is there, uh, and you're just a small cog in this machine as a director. But the thing is, they they will appreciate producers and will appreciate you coming in and recommending different ways of. Uh, saying thing dialogue shooting so and and the more experience you have um maybe you're you're faster maybe you do certain setups uh in a different way or a different style um that's what they're hiring you for so again it's it's uh it's a hard question to answer because it's unique to every situation um so you but if you have done one a uh, little 1 hour TV movie so you sort of have all control over that but you work with the producers and the writers to hone it to where you feel as the director, um, you—it's your visual style, and you're the storyteller. So television is a little bit of a different animal uh, than, say, a movie. And I think that by understanding the the politics of that is very important. Uh,
0: the second question—I'm going to uh, there's actually two, but I'm going to—I'm going to give you both of them. It says the screenwriter creates a story, but the director works with actors to find out if this script works. As the story goes on, does he meet with the screenwriter to change the story at all, if he can see it's going in the wrong direction? And then there's a qualifying statement, maybe not wrong direction, but going in a way that the audience will not buy it, so he makes changes.
1: Um, The the director, you have a, the script is the starting point. And it's like the baby that's, and then you've got, as a writer's, a hard part for a writer is letting go. And, then it's interpreting, you know, a producer will, could pick it up and then change it into their direction that they like. And then a director will come in and they see a different version or everybody has to sort of be on the same page so that you're sort of going the same direction. But you do want to uh, give your stamp to it and use the script as your guide. and and writers have to understand that. As long as the integrity of the story is there, and we all read about writers and directors or producers and writers and directors and and how everybody's uh, sort of at odds, and you bring actors into the mix, because everybody has their own idea and concept about what they think the story or the characters uh, should do, should say what the subtext is, what the morality of the play is, for example. So it's always a difficult scenario, but as a writer... You have to give unless you're directing yourself, you have to give that story up to another creative person who's now going to take that and they see the world differently than you do, but they're using your story as a guide. does that make sense
0: absolutely and and I guess we should also point out that it, a lot of it also depends in pecking order and, and and you know like politics on the set if you have a high powered writer and a not so high-powered director or a high-powered director, and not so high, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of things. I mean, I, I think absolutely what you just said is 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 uh, is golden. And then you know, if I talk to a writer, they'll say, "Oh, you got to be on the set and fight for what you want." If you talk to producers, they will say, "Keep the writers out." <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Really- well,
1: I think that that's it's like to be successful in any concept of this business, you have to understand uh, this business and politics. And I talked about it in greater detail in our. Um, our first AD series, and people could go back and listen to the first episode of that one. But it's like you really need to understand the business of film and the politics of it because everything is different. Features are different, the politics are different in television, independent movies, commercials, and everything. You, yeah, you're putting quote unquote film through a camera, but the personalities are different. Dealing with networks, people, uh, produce uh, our, our executives are different than dealing with studio executives, and that's a, to to sustain a long career. You have to know all of this, you have to understand the differences between television and, and features, and and you have to know all the power players and how to deal with them. And and this is very very important because it is uh, everything's a little different. You have to sort of walk in and just always find out what's go, what's going on. You know what's going on. So, but there is one rule that I always like to quote. It's my favorite, my favorite quote, and, and from Frank Capra. And there are no rules in filmmaking; only sins. And the cardinal sin is dullness. So, just don't make it dull, whatever you do.
0: I, I love it. I do. Um, you know, it, it's. I just forgot what I was going to say. Uh, frankly, um, so I'm going to ask you to. Um, to uh, I like that. I mean, understanding the business of film, the politics of film. There's a difference between film and TV, and the power players and how to deal with them. I mean, I, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, the thing is, is that I moved from Los Angeles to the Midwest. Uh, right. Not so much by choice, but that's a whole other matter. But I, I'm in the Midwest, and the one word that I don't hear very frequently um, is the word career. I hear jobs, you know, people want jobs, and they, and they work their jobs. Because, mm. But in Hollywood, you know, it was all about my acting career, my directing career, my writing mm. career, my, uh, you know, my modeling career, my whatever it might have been. It was a career. And, and, and as a young actor, producer in, in Hollywood, I embraced that notion. But I think that a lot of people, and what I like about what you said, I think a lot of people think career as a job. They, they talk about having an acting career, but they think about it as a job instead of understanding uh, like what you say, the politics of the business, or the politics, or the you know, the business of, of film and the politics of film and and the power players. Instead of understanding um, who to know and how to get known and who to work with and how to work with them and 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 what it's all about, they think, well, if I can just get that one job, then I'll have a career.
1: Hmm. It's not like that, is it?
0: No. <laughs> no. no. At least not, not Darn. <laughs> darn <laughs> well, that's, that's why i want to marry into it you know and so i can't everything and uh yeah. but uh but uh so so um no i i think that's excellent i mean you 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 mentioned those in terms of what it takes to be a successful uh director in the business you know we've got about oh fourteen 14 minutes left um could could you um could you uh talk a little bit you know about the three types of directors that that we see
1: um this is the yeah the three types i've sort of uh I've divided um, directors into into three i'm I think if people have listened to me or read my stuff, I try to categorize things into numbers so that it kind of simplifies it and and it's maybe sometimes it's an oversimplica- oversimplification, but it does put things in perspective and and in my experience, there are three sort of types of director that you'll end up working with and and the first one is sort of what I call a technical director, and this is a director that spends most of his time with the crew and all the technical aspects, lining up the shots, um, sp- um, all, you know, props, wardrobe. Really gets focused in all of the technical elements of um, the whole film and, and, and on the set, and spend very little time uh, with the actors. In other words, giving direction, so they're not—they don't really communicate a lot with the actors. Uh, They kind of let their actors uh, do their own own thing. Uh, So that's what I call a technical director. Um, Then there's what I call a performance director, which is a director that understands the acting process. He understands actors, but he also understands, and when I mean he, I mean he and she, of course, uh, spends time with the technical aspects. So it's kind of the all-rounded, number two, the performance director is he has it all. And Number three is sort of um, I guess a category is is a new director, and this is someone who uh, knows a little about something but not enough about say the entire job of directing and and the, These are the people we talked about before uh, first a d s directors editor sorry editors, writers, producers etc who who are in the business, who are on the set, who know their particular job and know their job very well, but they're transitioning into directing. And taking the skills that they know they have, and learning new ones as they go for directing. So an actor to to be a director, for example, well, talking direct to actors, no brainer. And understanding performance, no brainer. Um, an editor, uh, not being on a set, but understands how he wants to put the film together. Uh, a director of photography, understanding all his shots and his cuts. So these are the what I call a new director. And there's variations within that theme, of course. But if you look at those categories, it, it's sort of what what category are you? You know, for the listeners, where do you fall into this? And again, going back into the politics of the situation, it's just nice to know where you feel yourself, where you feel uh, you you stand um, as a director. Are you? Do you fit into one of those three categories?
0: I, I think that's that's excellent, and there and and there... There obviously is going to be a blend at, at some point between mm-hmm. the, the technical and the performance director. Oh, absolutely, yes. Craft and, but I've noticed, and in, and in, in this is just my experience, you know, living in the Midwest, I run into more obviously new directors and into much more many more technical directors, and uh, I, and and one of the reasons I want to prefer people in, you know to other shows. Uh, if you go back and listen to the interview with Michael Papajohn, for example, and he talks about how directors worked with him or set him at ease you know, to get a performance out of him. Uh, I thought that was an excellent interview around uh, performance, as well mm-hmm. as Oliver Robbins, who, who's director. Um, but they were just the interviews that stand out in my mind about people talking mm-hmm. about how they worked with actors or how, how important it was. And, and and I may be saying that because I, I miss, you know, working with performance directors when I'm in the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm sure there are plenty of good ones. <clears throat> uh, but I, I like those categories. And, and, well, and, and, and it, but it's also true because the...
1: You know, if you come in and you work with the technical aspect of it, really a prop doesn't talk back to you or doesn't ask why. Um, wardrobe effects. I mean, these people are there to make it happen for you, the, the crew. But actors will look at you and go, why? Which is one of the worst questions that uh, uh, anybody can ask a director. Why do you want me to do that? And uh, why don't we do this? This is a better idea. And, and you have to know. It's about ego. It's about understanding. It's about your confidence. It's about knowing who you are and knowing what your vision is. And I think a lot of it is is that there's a breakthrough that has to happen at some point when dealing with performers. And also understand from the performer side that they end up dealing with uh, these kind of directors, too. And they'll still, um, you know, do they have to sort of, um, I think we used the term before, that good actors have to be director-proof. In other Uh words, uh, a technical director will come on and really give them no direction. And so the actors themselves will have to sort of put together in their own mind how the whole thing is structured and and uh, and listen to what these directors say and throw half of it away um, because it either doesn't make any sense uh, or they don't under, they just can't understand what they're saying I mean again everything I'm speaking about I have seen uh, on sets and uh, it happens every single day out there all around the world so I think that's why the, on the performance side the actors tend to get the the bad end of the stick. When you get the the young directors or technical directors in who just really don't know how to talk to them, so that's the uh, whole thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think it goes back to to some of your points. If you understand the business and you understand the politics and you understand power players and all these all these kinds of things, if, if you if, if you want to make it in business, I, I think of a director. Um, well the ad may be doing you know the the moves and 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 the the director is kind of i mean you know it's all it's all coordinated out but uh, i mean they have different kinds of responsibilities i think of the director as somebody who really has to be able to communicate well if they're going to be a good director they need to be able to communicate with their crew and and they need to be able to act in such a way and communicate in such a way that they have the respect of the crew so that the crew will go to bat for them when when push comes to shove, and the same thing with mm-hmm. actors if, if the if the director's a communicator and knows how to elicit from the actor the feelings the emotions the the performance that they want they go they they go so much further i mean there are directors who just give line readings they they there's the old you know the reason you cross the stage is because you know my my tip of my toe and the back of your butt kind of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there's there's all sorts of
1: what's my variation. motivation well, you get paid i mean that's all those
0: things <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah. but but it, but it's, to me, a film business is 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 apart from the props and the you know that the, that stuff, it's a people business, and and the better you are with your people skills, um, and the better you are with your art and your craft, the more successful you might become. I I I can't agree more. It is a people business, and it's all
1: it's all collaborative effort. You just can't do it on your own. And the higher you go up into whatever television or film realm, whether you're doing a small independent movie with just you know five or ten of your friends to major holly you know to go to major Hollywood or major international movies is you're dealing with uh, bigger money uh, more there's more at stake um, there's bigger egos there's more people that will question what you're doing and you have to understand that you've got to have um, you know, you've got to slowly work your way up into those areas because it, it can be very devastating to someone who gets a big show uh, and, and doesn't have the chops. They have certain talent, but just to understand what the politics are, for example, of the business that you're in can be pretty devastating. Um, to a lot of people, and I've just seen people literally curl up and cry in a corner. It's just, it's, it's devastating. So yeah. you need to uh, work it out, start slow. But the other thing is, but then all of a sudden you're going to get opportunities to do that, and a crew will know within minutes if you're experienced or not. There's certain keywords that we use. There's certain attitudes that we have. So you'll never be able to hide that. Um, you can uh, you can give good prep and then fall apart on the set. I've literally seen that where after an hour doing, uh, I was on an 80 ep- uh, and episodic show, and the director gave good prep. I didn't really see anything out of the ordinary. But within the first hour, I was on the phone to the producer and said, we got a problem. This director doesn't know anything. Uh, he's actually... Uh you know he's just sitting in the corner sweating now he and he you know, sure not he conned his whole way in and it's a whole big story, but he and so we, as the crew, put the whole thing together, and he got the directing credit, but it's just you're gonna get overwhelmed, and the best policy is is the honest policy is what's your vision and 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 allow other people to help you out and it's the and it's collaborative well, what do you think, okay? Do you, do you like red or do you like orange? You know, And you have a costume designer, you have a production designer. Trust their instincts. They're the professionals. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have the answer to everything. Other people have the answers. You have to say yes or no, but trust your instinct of story, performance, and everything else. And I think if you put it in those three categories, for me, that... I have to have the story that's compelling. I have to have a story that's working. If the script is not working, if the script and the dialogue and everything, they just, excuse my French, just suck, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of technical equipment you have or crew or budget or cast. It's just it's gonna it's not going to go anywhere. And same thing as if you have a great story, but you don't have the, the performances, right? Or same thing if you have all the... The technical whiz-bang, you know, everybody talks about, well, I didn't like the story, but boy, did you see that I love the cinematography. you know, Or the sets were great. You're not talking about what you should be talking about, which is the story. It all starts there. So your focus as a director, if you just go to those three elements first, is don't worry about trying to put shots together. Understand the story and the scenes that you're doing then understand performances and subtext, and how you can help actors get to those. Those are your main jobs. And then eventually, as you get experience, you will incorporate all three of those. Those all three of those. So that's my advice.
0: I think that is wonderfully put because I think that that where people make where they trans make a transgression, I should say, where they, where they air when they they might be otherwise is that if you just look at if you looked at real life there are things out there that are absolutely compelling i mean you might be in a mall and, and two people are interacting and you look at them and you're just drawn you're it's riveting they're they're having an argument or they're smiling or it's a child playing or whatever it might be but it's riveting it's compelling and you watch it and you and you want to see the resolve to it and it's not about looking at it through a lens or whether it was shot or not it's just a situation in real life but it's something that you're drawn to and i think that as storytellers if if we could better understand story and and character and, and what are those components as as you so wisely suggest that that the more that you can concentrate on that, if the camera work isn't great, people can still be drawn to it Mm -hmm. and they'll still, they'll, you know, I mean, it's the old saying that, you know, your, your visuals can suck a bit going back to the French, your visuals can suck, but bad sound is, you know, it's a major no, no, because if they can't hear it, they won't watch it. But, but I, you know, if, if, you can, if you can create something that is compelling to watch, ultimately you get better with your chops. You know, you can, you can better visually tell a story. Or, as I always like to say, hire smarter than you are. You know, be There smart. you go,
1: hire smarter, exactly. Well, and no. then the other question is, well, how does it make you feel? Or what do you feel when you listen to the scene or read the scene or, or when you hear somebody say the lines? And you've got to go from a director's point of view Uh, You have to go to the feeling and emotional side, very much like the actors have to be vulnerable because that's the thing, is on the set and on the stage, they're vulnerable. They have to in some cases literally, but figuratively speaking, stand naked in front of people and show all their emotions. So their vulnerability has to be there and you have to put that and guide that. So what does it make you feel? And as a director, from a story point of view, from the performance point of view, it's not in your head as much as is what does it make you feel? And I think if you if that works for you, do you get sort of that chill up your spine when that actor said that and when you cut, well there's your take. Right? And and I think we have to get to those spots. We're so involved in our, what I call, neck up, trying to think our way out of everything that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to process everything that way. You can't, especially when you're dealing with a creative element and you're dealing with thoughts and emotions and feelings.
0: That's awesome, Peter. We've got about you know literally a minute left, and and uh, I just want to point people to say that that you've got like I know a lot of like we'll we'll start the next one with like the twenty tips uh, that will help people understand mm-hmm. how to work and survive in the film and TV business. if sure. that's right with you. You've got you've got great advice for them, um, and I appreciate everything you said. I you know I've been lucky enough to to judge some film festivals, you know, and be involved in that, and, and have to sit and, and comment and you know and fill out forms and all that. And, and I always had a, a little bit of criteria, you know, when I'm watching something, whether it's a short or a feature, and, and that was, you know, did it have a beginning, middle, and end? You know, could I follow it? And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a, a Tarantino-like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's not in that order. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't have to be, yeah. but, it, but, you know, is there is yeah. there something that I can follow, you know, and I can get from, from point A to point B with, with the the feeling that I've, I've invested my time wisely? Um, I have this notion of the fidget factor. Am I sitting on the edge of my seat because I'm... I'm tense and I'm, and I'm, and I'm engaged and I'm, and I'm wondering or am I sitting on the edge of, am I fidgeting to get? And then lastly is, do I care? You know, do I right. care about the people? Do I care about what's going on? Do I, you know, do I, do I, do I give a crap in other words, right. you know? And, uh, and so I think, I, I love what you said about the story and being engaging and, and about directors learning their craft and what they need to do in order to be successful. and. and and, and and working with the story and with the performance of, you have offered, you know, I think valuable, valuable advice today. Um, and I look forward to very much to continuing uh, this series on directing and, and for directors. And I want to remind people to go to actioncutprint.com, to Peter's website, and check out all the fine things he's got there. And you've got your easy and your blogs so you you just want to in the remaining thirty seconds or so talk a little bit about that so people know where yeah I
1: think uh, people can go to my website actioncutprint.com. dot com um, my blog is film directing tips dot com and uh, on there they can they have uh, they can see a lot of just tons of information uh, available for directors and my three courses that are there on my website they can see and uh, sign up to my blog sign up to my uh, uh, it's called The Director's Chair. It's my monthly easing. That goes out to over 4,100 uh, subscribers at this point. Um, we'll just keep in touch. And thats it's all, right. all of us learn together. I think that's my motto. We learn together. That is,
0: that is fantastic. And we will learn together. We'll continue this series. Uh, Peter will be back. Doug Stewart is coming up. And John Reese and so many more guests are coming up. Peter, again, thank you so much um, for uh, – I'm sorry, I muted you <laughs> Uh, But thank you so much for being here, Peter. Have a fabulous day. I look forward to being back with you again soon. Everybody, uh, thanks so much. Have a fabulous day yourselves. Make your projects. Complete it until the time we meet. Until we meet next time. That's a wrap.
1: Thanks, Rex. Bye-bye.
0: Awesome. Thank you.